Welcome to another episode of More Happy Life, the podcast that will teach you how to trigger upward spirals of health and happiness in your life. I'm Andy Proctor, a happiness activist whose goal is to make your life more happy with science-backed strategies and powerful interviews. If you enjoy this episode, share it and let me know by tapping the stars in the reviews. Welcome to another episode of More Happy Life with Andy Proctor. Thank you so much uh, for coming back and listening. It is exciting to be back on air. So today I have an amazing, amazing person that I want to introduce you to. His name is Seth Adam Smith. We are, I would like to say, best buddies uh, who never hang out. <laughs> and uh, he is also a best-selling and award-winning author and blogger whose writings have been translated into over 30 languages and featured on Huffington Post, Good Morning America, Fox News, CNN, The Today Show, Forbes, and the list goes on. Uh, you know, news outlets all over the world. So he is he has done some amazing uh, writing. He wrote an article that was called, you may have read it, uh, called Marriage Isn't For You that has been viewed over a hundred million times across the internet and translated into languages all over the world. Like I said, uh, he, uh, when his article went viral, he instantly was approached by publications and people who wanted him to write about marriage or about how to go viral because it did. Um, but, uh, this wasn't necessarily Seth's passion. And so he started to really ask himself, you know, how do I make an impact? How do I really make an impact? And Seth has been working since then to go from, you know, viral blogger on marriage to uh, suicide awareness activist. Uh, he has since given a TEDx talk and has written books, including Your Life Isn't For You, which was actually awarded a gold medal for inspirational memoir. I keep trying to get him to give me some of the gold, but he won't. <laughs> no, just joking. Uh, but he's also, uh, and we talk a little bit about this in our episode today, uh, he is a suicide survivor himself, uh, which makes him talking about this uh, even more powerful. And he is on, he, he is an advocate for resources and understanding concerning depression and suicide prevention and he regularly writes about these uh, topics in his books and on his blog, uh, which you can find at sethadamsmith.com, which he talks about at the end as well. But I am so excited to introduce you to Seth Adam Smith. All right, Seth, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. I'm so excited to have you on. I was just thinking about uh, the other day about people who you know inspire me and who also are on my friendship wall <laughs> and uh you popped into my head and i realized oh my gosh i have never interviewed seth on my podcast so here we are finally <laughs> here we are yeah we finally are. <laughs> forever man i know right oh so <laughs> thanks so much for hanging out with me and um yeah super super exciting um anyways really excited to have you on the show so um I'd love to kind of just dive right in here and, um, you know, this is a, 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 something that I've talked about 
a little bit on this show is um, mental illness, and I know it's something you're very you're pa- very passionate about helping in this field in this area. And um, you know, my wife and I have both experienced it. Um, it's something that we're also both very, um, I guess, passionate about uh, helping to remove the stigma around. And and I know this is a place that you know not many people enjoy going, but I think in talking about it, but I, I just, I feel like that there, there might be somebody out there listening today, um, you know, who's having a really hard time and who needs to know that, um, you know, that, that somebody else has been there, that you've been there. And, uh, so I wonder if you could maybe share a little bit about your, your story of kind of surviving, uh, suicide attempt. Well, sure. Um, it wasn't until my uh, my twenties that I had a a real serious uh, attempt on my life. I I had struggled um, with depression throughout my life in varying degrees, and, and when you struggle at a young age, you don't really know um, that it can be any different. Um, you sort of think that, that right. this is how your life is, and this is whatever your mind's telling you. You think that this is how it's supposed to be, and yeah. um, and it wasn't until I was 20 that, I mean, things just escalated. Um, mm. Things got really intense and um, everything just sort of came to a head. Um, the mind had told me a lot of things that, um, that just weren't true. And, 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 and that's a weird thing. Like we can talk yeah. about that later, but the mind really does and really can and really will lie to you, um, which uh, it's, 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 uh, it's unreal how the mind can deceive you to a point that it'll destroy you. Um, but I, I, um, I, I, I got so wrapped up in, in that black hole that I, I tried to take my life and, and it was, it was a, a very serious attempt. Um, it, it took me to the hospital and mm-hmm. it was while I was at the hospital that, um, I saw, um, my family rally around me in a way they had never done before. My, my family is very, uh, standoffish, mm. um, very, um, you know, we're not really huggy, touchy feely people. Um, but their response to, to me in that situation, uh, was very transformative to me. And, you know, before I go any further, I, I would want yeah. to say that my, my suicide attempt I have to emphasize this. I feel like I, I, I need to emphasize this every time I talk about this, that my, my suicide attempt did not make my life better. I don't want people to think that I, I tried to take my life and, and as a result of that experience, um, things changed for the better. You know, my family rallied around me, told me they loved me, you know, and, and oh, things just started going uphill from there. Actually, things got significantly worse. Um, after my suicide attempt, it got harder. It got harder to hold the job. Um, mm. it, it got harder to date. Um, people, there were rumors about me that had gone around and a lot of them were true. And, and it was just, mm. it was very difficult. It was every, there were ghosts. I think there were ghosts everywhere about mm, just my yeah. inability to, to move forward. And so I actually had to leave, uh, leave, go out of state for quite some time to recover um, and I had yeah. to make a conscious decision, uh, you know, a very, um, very conscious decision where I was, you know, working in terms of, of, you know, with doctors and medication and positive psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy. I was doing yeah. lots of things to help 
yeah. get better. So, so it was a long road to recovery. I don't think I got better. I don't think I was, um, I don't, I don't, I didn't feel like myself again until mm. I was about, um, 25. So it took about five years before I was, I was back to me. Mm. Um, and I think that I just, when I talk about my suicide attempt, I do feel like that's important to say is that it's a, it's a very conscious um, decision and effort to recover and to do everything you can to get better. And I attribute a lot of that to the fact uh, that I, when I saw my family at the hospital, I, it, something clicked where I saw a world that was outside of the one I was living in inside of my head. I saw a family. Mm. I saw people who wanted me to be better. That's so interesting. I, I, I really love how you said that, that you saw a world that was different than the one you saw inside of your head. And I think that's so telling because, you know, I think we have so many thoughts, you know, th thoughts that kind of run through our minds constantly and um i think i think it's interesting because yeah like you're saying it's when when you were young but i think i think people still feel that sometimes or experience that all the time who aren't necessarily young and they they have a thought and instead of looking at that thought and saying hmm, that's an interesting thought they just instantly accept it as it must be true right and so I love that you make that distinction. And I think that's a really interesting and very vivid example of, you know, seeing a world that was very different than the one that you had inside your head. And so I, and I love, I love that it's, you know, it, it was connective. It was very much other people focused, you know, that there were, there were other people who were with you. So mm -hmm. I think that's, that's really powerful. Thank you so much for, um, for sharing that, that, uh, it means a lot to me. Um, and I know we've, we've briefly talked about this before, but Stacy was also hospitalized and it's not, it's not easy. You know, I think, I think it's interesting. You say that five years, you know, it took maybe five years before you kind of felt like yourself again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, we're about to hit five years since that happened with Stacy. Wow. And so, you know, we're, we're also kind of feeling, that kind of like, hmm, maybe, maybe yeah. life can be normal, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, but it does, like you said, I think it does take, it's not just like, okay, cool, go take this pill or right. um, go to a therapist or, you know, maybe you should get different friends or maybe you should, I don't know, like, it's like a full on, like comprehensive, multiple angle kind of thing. Yeah, and it is. So, anyways, thank you so much for yeah. for talking about that. And I'm personally, <laughs> I'm so glad that you're still here. <laughs> and uh, um, I mean, you know, for for a lot of reasons. But uh, um, you know, I just um, I just I feel very uh, I feel a, a close kinship to you, even though we aren't very close geographically to each other. And I, and I also, I know that you wrote a while back about how you had kind of a, a special moment of realization. Um, I'm sure you've had many of those, but it was, I think it was when you were with your daughter, um, one of your daughters that 
um, it was like a powerful moment of, wow, like here I am and here she is. And, you know, maybe, I don't know if that's, if that's fully accurate. I don't know if you can maybe (laughs) tell, tell me about that, that moment you had. Yeah. Um, I think the one you're referring to is when she was born. Um, I, yeah. I, uh, I had gone about a month before she was born. I went hiking in the Grand Canyon. It's just something I love to do to get away and, and really walk through one of the greatest wonders in the world and just yeah. think about life, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, I was hiking there and it was in November and I thought this is awesome because there was like nobody there. I did not see a single person on that trail and it's a very well trafficked area. Didn't see anybody. <laughs> at the time. So I was excited because I love, I love being alone. I love being left alone for the most yeah. part. Yeah. And, um, and it was really weird because I got towards the end of the hike um, and I, I mean, I probably had one more switch back to go and I was done. And I, I turned, I looked back out on the trail and I saw, it was so unreal. I saw along the path way down there in the canyon, I saw these tiny, tiny little lights moving on the path. And I realized it's something about that image just just really struck me. Like Hmm. it was so vivid. I, I realized I wasn't alone on the hike like I thought I was. Mm. Like there were other people out there and they were now they were out there in the darkness, right? They were hiking with their little headlamps on, on the path. Yeah. And, and something about that image was, was so vivid. I, re- I remember feeling like the creator um, had kind of stepped inside of my mind and said, I need you to remember this because this is going mm. to be very important. And, uh, and then a month later, my daughter was born and that, that scene popped into my head. And I, it was the moment when I, um, when I picked her up for the first time. And it was kind of a funny moment because our nurse, her, her name was Frances, and, and she's like, okay, well, now you can pick up the child. You know, Shannon, my daughter, she was laying on one of those little incubators. And I, I looked at her. I'd never held a brand newborn before. And they look so tiny and frail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're so <laughs> tiny, so tiny and frail, you know, and, and yeah. like little little microscopic specks. And I, I, <laughs> I said to her, I said, "Well, Francis, um, how how do I hold her?" <laughs> and she looked at me, and she had this like really puzzled look, and she said, "Well, you 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 put one hand uh, underneath, and then you put the other hand underneath, and you lift her towards your body." <laughs> <laughs> and I, it sounds so funny now and I'm like oh okay that that makes sense you know I'm over here taking copious notes okay one hand and under the elbow, <laughs> lift her towards the body and I, I remember I picked her up it was the first time I had held my child my first child I, I picked her up and and I held her and I looked down at her and her eyes opened up uh, and she was born during the darkest time of the year you know my mm-hmm. daughter the when the sun is is out the least and she's born And I remember her eyes opened up. I looked into her eyes. I saw light inside of her eyes, like light. Mm. She's looking at me. I'm looking at her. And that scene from the Grand Canyon came to my mind where there's these little lights walking in the dark. And it just, something clicked. Where it it just told me that this, this child that I'm holding 
she has not done anything in the world. She hasn't contributed in any way that is quote unquote meaningful to the world at large. And yet she is an infinite light that I'm mm. holding. And, and regardless of what she does in the world, she will always have that light. And, and I remember thinking about that and thinking mm. about those lights on the trail and those people walking and, 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 and realizing that that is how God feels about us. Is that we, we don't do anything, you know, in comparison to what God can do for us. And yet he views us as, as something worthy to be saved and something that is infinitely worthy to be loved, to be rescued, to be carried through the darkest of any night. And it just, it just clicked. And I suddenly realized, you know, even though I, I've never really wanted to be somebody who, who talks about mental health or suicide prevention, I, I, I like to be alone. I like to be quiet. I like to be behind the camera. I realized in that moment that if I wanted my daughter to have uh, a good life and to live in a world that was, that was good, that was, that was wholesome, I had to do everything that I could do um, to add to that, that light and to help her and other people move forward as best they could. Hmm. Wow. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. I love those visuals are so powerful. And I mean, I don't think I'll ever forget that looking down, you know, I've never been to the Grand Canyon, um, which we should change that sometime soon. We should but. change that. We've got to change that. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you want, I'll take you there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like looking down and seeing those lights, you know, and, and realizing I'm not alone in the world. And right. that's so powerful. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I love, I love that connection that you made and, and that, you know, we're all, you know, that we're all infinitely worthy. Um, I, I think that's just a truth, you know, regardless yeah. of what you believe, like, I think we have to feel that. And, um, and, and I love that. So, man, that's, that's a very, uh, very powerful story. And I, I was also, I just want to ask you about, so you say you like to be alone and I think, I think, I, I wonder if it's the difference between, because I think there's a difference between loneliness and solitude. And I think mm-hmm. I love, I love solitude myself too. I, I love just going and going on a walk or just, you know, going and taking my camera and going and taking pictures of random stuff and like a rollerblading or whatever. And, and, and I don't necessarily see that as being lonely. And I actually think that solitude is something that we all need to some extent um and so i love what you said about you know being alone and um i think we all need to be alone sometimes yeah i i draw strength um from from quiet um Mm. from reverence i guess i yeah um i was just researching um earlier and it was this week and i somebody had had made a comment about the word saunter you know and, and how the belief is that the word saunter means to you're just taking it at a leisurely pace. But um, John Muir, the, the famous explorer, had actually, he, in his mind, he had done some research and he, he believed that the word saunter came from uh, an old English phrase of, of, of being out there in, in reverie. Of, of not, it's not hiking, it's sauntering. It's you're, you're taking your time to look and to really understand and comprehend 
the beauty of the world around you and that that has a profound effect on your soul. And I love that. For me, you know, one way to keep my depression or my anxiety or whatever illness I'm battling on the inside, you know, one way to keep that in check is to really just take time to take in the the quiet and the solitude and the peace that nature provides. Mm. Yeah, I think we all need a little bit more sauntering in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Seth, tell us a little bit more about uh, what you are kind of doing right now to kind of make the world a little bit more of a, ha- a more a more happy place right now you know uh i, I know that uh i mean other than being on the phone with me right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> but back when you were uh here for 1000 words you were working on some super cool stuff around around kind of some of the stuff we were talking about with like breaking the stigma around mental illness and suicide prevention so maybe tell us um any any of the the latest or any updates you might have to share? Sure, I've been doing a lot of uh, of speaking for one thing, which, as you know, I I do not like to do. I'll, <laughs> I'll do it. Um, it makes my guts royal. Um, but um, when the event's over, I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll do that. But, w- but what I have been working on, and and what we're about ready to release is a there's a couple of different things. And one thing I will talk about is, is a, a podcast series that's scripted. Um, mm. And it's, it's called a reason to live. And oh, um, what the series is, is it actually, it goes through and it, and it tells a story about a person who, you know, the listeners would know their name, but I, I sort of avoid their name. I kind of dance around who they are and I go through their life and I talk about all of these things that they experienced. Um, and at some point they came to a crossroads and decided what it was they were living for. And as soon as they made, made that choice or made that choice to live or made that choice to persist and to move forward, that's when the miracles started to happen. Because I've, I've found that if, if you can find um, that reason to live or that, that meaningful purpose uh, and move forward with that, that's when the miracles really do come into your life. And, and one story I share, which I'll, mm-hmm. I'll share here, is it's about a young man who, um, during the time of, of the exploration of the new world, he just decided he wasn't going to go back to England. And he decided to just live um, in what is now known as, as, as Boston, but it wasn't Boston at the time. He just, he just decided to live. He was the only man. He was the only man living there. Uh, He Hmm. didn't go back with his, with his shipmates. Um, He just stayed there by himself. And uh, about four or five years later, the Puritans came and they actually settled on the other side of the Harbor and they were ill prepared to live in the new world. The, The water they were drinking was poisoned and they were very sick. There's about, you know, 300, 400 of them living over there. Mm. And they were just, they couldn't, they couldn't do it. They were dying. And in the middle of the night, someone looked across the Harbor and saw this light way out in, in the Harbor in the distance. And they said, well, who's that? Who's living out over there in that, in that peninsula. And they went over there and they met this man named William Blackston. And he, um, he asked him for help. And he said, okay, I'll help you. But I mean, it's this, it's this hermit. It's this guy who wanted to live by himself for years hmm. and he decides to help these Puritans. And so he goes over, he helps them. He invites them over to where he lives. And that's where they built 
Boston, but had this man not helped, had this man not kept a light on, you know, literally and figuratively, had he not kept that light on in his own life, he would not have saved these people. And the nation in which we live right now would never have started because he, he built Boston. In fact, the, the street where he used to live, I mean, it, it's very plainly named after where he had lived because they called his street Beacon Street. Hmm. He was this light in the wilderness for these people who were about to die. I mean, you think about that, you think about what the light of liberty really did spring from Boston, that, that whole independence movement and spirit. It came from New England. It came from that light. And it's just remarkable to think hmm. that this person, small and insignificant though he may have felt he was, um, he actually shaped the course of a nation. And, and, and it's the same for us. Like we, we may feel like we don't have a lot to offer or light inside of ourselves, but we do. We have, we have infinitely more light inside of us than we believe. Wow, I love that story. That's, I don't think I've heard that story. That's amazing. Yeah. That's such a, a powerful visual as well uh, of, you know, um, you never know how, how much you'll impact those people around you um, and how much the people around you will impact other people who will impact exactly. other people. You know, like what will the ripple effect be? Exactly. And, exactly. and yeah, that's, wow, that, I'm so excited to, uh, to <laughs> This podcast is so cool. Uh, Reason to live. It makes me think of um, in Japan. They have this uh, this word ikigai, which is uh, uh, basically that translates to a reason for living or for a reason for being. And um, and so that's super cool. I I love that concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's if you find that. I mean, and I go through all sorts of, I've been writing the scripts out for the past six months and I'm, I just want to have, you know, where it's one episode going, you know, in perpetuity, but it's, it's just different people. It's all sorts of different people. Um, And one of my favorite episodes is the one of Audrey Hepburn. And when she, Mm -hmm. you know, she's living in a, in, in war torn um, Europe and she decided to live and, and she goes on in her life um, to become this great ambassador for nonprofits and everything like that. I mean, it is, it's the, the people, wow. the people who I've learned that, that are encountering the most darkness and, and that can be like very visual. Like you see it, you, you can see that they are over, trying to overcome really tremendous challenges. Um, yeah. Or there's like a, like a internal battle that you don't see that they're going through. Um, hmm. Those people who are going through that, it's, it's so remarkable I can guarantee you that they are being prepared for something far greater. And if, and if, if any of your listeners are going through something extraordinarily dark, I, I guarantee you and I guarantee them that they are being prepared for something far greater. Like it, it always happens. It's just like the seed, the, the seed is buried in the ground and in, in the darkness and it, it feels like the end of the world for the seed, you know, but as soon as it opens up to possibility, I mean, it becomes something transcendent, something so beautiful that offers life and light to everybody else. It's incredible. So I, if you're feeling that, if anyone's feeling that, that that's a sign. That's actually an indication of something far greater to come. Wow. 
what an amazing and powerful perspective. I love that. Thank you for sharing that and inspiring uh, the listeners who are struggling with something. Because I think if you are, if, you know, if you think about it, probably every single person is in some way. Mm-hmm. So it's that's really cool. I love that. Uh, so I, w- I want to ask you. Um, you know, you talked about a uh, reason to live and I want to know what is right now, what is your reason for living? Ooh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, I will tell you, I, I have to do this in a very masculine way that doesn't involve any, any sort of emotion. Um, <laughs> we, um, I, we have a friend who um, she was married and, and her husband uh, recently took his life and they, um, hmm. they have two children that are the same, basically the same ages as our children. And, you know, this, this wonderful uh, woman has been posting about suicide um, in a very effective way, I, I, I applaud her for her honesty. Um, and she's been talking about how it has affected her and her children um, and her two daughters who, who just want their dad. You know, they want their imperfect dad. You know, yeah. the dad who thought um, their lives would be better without them, you know, without him. They, and that's not true. They, their lives yeah. aren't better without him. And and so for me, you know, my, my reason for living is, is one, is, is my, my family. Um, and like I, like I said, I look at my kids and there's just, I cannot, I cannot imagine a day without them. I, I couldn't leave them for any reason. I, I have to make sure that I've done everything to the extent that I can offer, that I'm, I'm here with them yeah. and I stay with, you know. But then my other reason is 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 connected to that is that i i want to do what i can to make sure that other that other fathers and other mothers and other sons and brothers and sisters and, and friends that they stay too because there's mm. just it, the the thought is that you, our lives would be better without them you know when you get into that state they they think that you know and i thought that too that my i'm a burden to my family but it's not the case I mean, I, I, I learned that in the hospital that my family wanted me to be better, that their lives were better with the broken Seth. They wanted the broken Seth. They didn't care about a perfect Seth. They wanted the broken Seth. They wanted him. Yeah. And, and that's true of anybody. You, you think that you're, if you think that your life is a burden, it isn't, it's, it's, it may be stressful at times and that's fine. That's how it is, you know, but it, yeah. it's a burden. That's a blessing, you know, because I've, I've learned, you know, waking up with my kids in the middle of the night. Yeah. That's a burden. That sucks. You know, that's exhausting. <laughs> that is, it, it's, it's awful. But then in yeah. those moments of, of being up with your kid, you know, when they're sick, when they're throwing up, you know, and, <laughs> and catching their throw up on your shirt. Yeah. That, that's awful. <laughs> that's, that's, that's awful and terrible, you know, that's, you know, yeah. but, but in those moments where you're caring for them and they look at you and they, they say, dad, dad, I love you. You know, like hmm. you, that makes living worth it. That makes all of the heartache worth it. That's, 
yeah staying is the most wonderful blessing that you can give to those kids and i want to do everything i can to make sure that other people stay hmm. i love that that's a really powerful reason for living and a beautiful mission in in life i mean i think we all have something to give to the world and i think this is a i think this is one of the things that that you are here to give to the world um so thank you for giving that and um yeah that's really amazing what i want to ask you another question what other advice um other than so many things you've already shared that have been so powerful and great stories and visuals but what else do you have uh in terms of advice for for somebody who who wants to have a more happy life right now um well, one of the things that's been extraordinarily helpful for me is um, is viewing my life in a different lens. Um, hmm. What I mean by that is is I, I read an article by uh, Parker Palmer. He's a he's a Quaker. He's a really great, phenomenal author, um, and he wrote an article, or it was a it was a chapter in a book. I think it was "Let Your Life Speak," and the chapter name was for everything there is a season. Um, And in that chapter, he talks about viewing your life with a, with a different lens or a different perspective. And, and the perspective he adopted was one of seasons. So instead of trying to force your life into, into being some sort of perpetual summer um, where Mm. everything's great, everything's happy, everything's wonderful. um, he, He said, you know, have a holistic approach where you're viewing your life as seasons. And if you, and if you view it in that way, then you're actually a lot happier because you prepare for seasons or you, you enjoy seasons differently. You don't, you don't treat winter like summer and you don't treat summer like winter, you know? And and if you, if you prepare, uh, if you adjust your life to those kinds of seasons, that's good. And so he talked about seasons occurring, you know, as frequently as they do in life, you know, metaphorically. So right. he talked, he talked about when his father passed away, even though it was summer outside, it was winter for him. Um, mm. And so he had to adapt his life to adjusting to that winter season in his life. And, and knowing, you know, having a perspective, having a lens is, is fantastic. You, you approach life differently. You're, you're not always trying to force, um, a feeling of, of, of satisfaction or happiness. You're saying, Oh, okay, well, this is a, this is actually a winter period in my life and that's okay. I just have to bundle up. Yeah. I have to, I know that this will, this will end and it'll be spring and, you know, and then there'll be a summer. It's okay. This is how it goes. And for Utah, you know, the winter lasts forever. So that's, (laughs) that's fine. You, you say, okay, it, my winter is lasting a lot longer than it normally does. That's okay. Because summer does come it does happen yeah and for me the the perspective or lens that i really appreciate is is viewing life as a as a saunter as a hike as a as a walk through the through the wilderness or as as a hike through the grand canyon because if i if i try to view it as something where instant gratification you know i order something on amazon and and i should be happy within the next 24 to 48 hours i'm not happy but if i view it as a hike yeah. where there's a lot of sweat there's a lot of 
um, strain. There's a lot of swearing. Okay, well, then that's good. This is what I'm supposed to be expecting. Like, this is life. This is, you know, and every now and then I get to take a break, turn around and go, wow, this is actually very beautiful. I'm so glad I'm here. Hmm. You know, if I take that approach to life, I'm a lot happier. But if I start to think that things should be more instant gratification, I'm a lot unhappier. I love that. Yeah, that's so true. I, and I, I love, I love seeing it as if it were seasons. That's, that's really, you can't, yeah. Like you can't force a season, you know, you can't just no. say, Hey, be, you know, be summer. Like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Right. And yeah, I think that's, but you can be, you can be really happy in the middle of winter. You can still be sure. really happy, but you can't be happy if you think it should be summer. But you could be happy if you're like, oh, Christmas and Thanksgiving and right. And you could. Yeah. There's a lot of things you can do in winter you can't do in the summer. So there's, yeah. there's, there's joy to be found, but you have to just adjust. You know, you have to be nimble. Yeah. Uh, and and adapting to life and what it's throwing mm. at you. That's really that's really a, a powerful and very wise statement. I think that's something that we could all definitely remember more often. So thank you so much for sharing that and, and your stories and all these amazing uh, visuals that I, I think visuals and stories are uh, some of the best ways to remember things. So um, thank you so much for, for uh, bringing those to our, to our minds. And uh, Seth, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people uh, come and find you and follow you if they wanted to uh, you know, find your, your, your blog or social media or wherever. Well, don't follow me. I like being alone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but if they, if they want to read more, um, just go to my full name.com. So it would be Seth Adam Smith.com. Um, and that's the best place to find me and everything else that I'm doing. Awesome. Perfect. That's great. Well, thank you so much for, for hanging out with me today, Seth. It's always, always a pleasure. And, um, you know, I can't wait to hang out with you again soon. Yeah. Well, thank you, Andy. Yeah. And let's come on down to the Grand Canyon. We're going to go on one of those grueling hikes. I'd love to have you guys. Let's go saunter, man. (laughs) Let's go saunter. Yeah, exactly. I really hope this episode helped you to have a more happy life today. If you enjoy this episode, share it and let me know by tapping the stars in the reviews. You can also find me on Instagram at morehappylife or by going to morehappylife.co. Thanks for listening and see you soon.